Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Kingdom of Pod. Jeff Caves here in Flower Mound, Texas on the Believe Podcast Network. Brought to you by Bet Online. More on that in a second. And more from Matt Brown coming up shortly. Matt's with Extra Points, a really off-the-field expert on college athletics. A lot of detail on the direction of the Group of Five and certainly Boise State with the name, image, and likeness, the potential expansion for college football playoffs even the NFL draft and what it may or may not say about talent in the Mountain West Conference and some pretty surprising views and some great insight, really well-informed opinion uh, coming up with Matt Brown. Also, go down the road and take a look at other issues around Boise State football, specifically, of course, the Fresno State game came back up. That was a conversation point for some ESPN.com readers. And also Coach Pete spoke out in an athletic piece on the, I guess, transition for Coach Pete from coach to where he's at now and what that all means. Plus, could there be beer pouring at Albertson Stadium for Boise State football fans uh, coming up this fall and and why that really doesn't mean much. Remember, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online's got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Get to betonline, betonline.ag, or just use your mobile device to sign up today and get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. Matt Brown has a website and a newsletter called ExtraPointsMB.com. If you want to follow the latest uh, off-the-field issue stuff on specifically, I think, the group of five and even FCS and Division twos and threes, Matt Brown's your guy. He covers all of it from D3 to Tennessee. You can get a free subscription, a newsletter that will come to you a couple of times a week. Also does a great podcast with Brian Fisher of Athlon Sports which is tremendous off-the-field stuff. Really, If you like to stay up on the direction of where the group of five and below lower divisions are headed based on moves at the Power Five level, Matt Brown is your guy and had a conversation with him about the NFL draft, its impact, college football playoff expansion, how that could work for the group of five, and, of course, name, image, and likeness. Matt, let's jump right into the Supreme Court and the decisions that they've got in front of them, which... We should get some word on in about 60 days or less on the NCAA's limits on compensation for student-athletes and whether or not that's in violation of the antitrust laws in the United States. It, it seems to me, when I read it, and it's hard to read some of that stuff, I get it, but the Supreme Court comments that came out about a month ago or so, uh, really, I, I left with the impression that 
they're hesitant to blow up the NCAA. They're fully aware of their impact, and they haven't weighed in on the NCAA for, for a long time. So I think they know where they're at, and they seemed hesitant to blow up the NCAA to me. Uh, what say you? Well, I, I think on one hand, we have to be, I think, conservative with the conclusions we can draw just from oral arguments. because It's not uncommon for justices to, uh, you know, really kind of lay into an argument during oral arguments and end up ruling in a different way, right? It's, right. it's a way to kind of suss out and, and test the strength of various arguments. But it, it's pretty clear, I thought, from, from watching those that mm -hmm. even the more conservative justices were not terribly impressed with the definition of amateurism as it stands right now. I also would think that you're right that there's some hesitancy to blow the entire thing up. But but the nice thing is about this particular case is I don't think they're obligated to do that, right? The, the actual Alston case specifically is relatively narrow in that it's, it's, it's the question of whether limits to compensation for athletes for educational components can be capped at the at the at the way that the NCAA is doing it right now, right? Can can Alabama buy a laptop for a football player if that football player is studying engineering and they need that laptop for labs? Can they provide extra money for textbooks or, or some other things beyond the cost of attendance? And you can you can say that that violates the Sherman Antitrust Act, but that you're not going to immediately throw open. Um, a, a, and define athletes as employees, which is what I think most athletic directors and conference commissioners are really terrified of. Uh, what, now that I'm, I'm talking to more people after this, I, I really think that the main national body that's going to define what amateurism means in the future is not going to be the Supreme Court so much as it is Congress, because that's who's going to write a national name, image, and likeness bill that's going to be attached, I believe, at this point to a Greater College Athletics Reform Act that's going to, to change some of these things. I don't think we're looking at a world where athletes are going to be employees and they're going to have a salary cap like we do the NFL, <laughs> but how we define amateurism in 1993, I think it's very clear that's not going to be how this system works in 2022. All right. You, you touched on, and I'll, I'll tell, we'll, we'll get to some college football playoff expansion issues in Boise State, sure. uh, specifically Boise State's involved in this conversation as well. And I'll tell you how you can uh, get a hold of Matt and, watch everything and see everything he does uh, for free, actually, on his new website. But the, the name, image, and likeness conversation, Emmert's just recent comments about the NCAA needing to get something done here, Matt, by the 1st of July when a lot of other states are going to have their NIL uh, laws hit the books. You know, how do you, how do you look at the group of five here, the Boise States, Central Florida, Cincinnati's of the world, and, and their role in NIL – because I'll tell you briefly, to contrast wherever you're going here, I see big differences between NFL or NBA cities or Orlando, Cincinnati, and Memphis, and the ability of students there to truly get a lot of attention versus Boise, Fresno, and Wyoming, where there's not a lot of competition for those kids, and if they go big, they become big stars. So I see more money being made in some of those kinds of cities with the exception of the Trevor Lawrences of the world. So how do you frame uh, NIL and the group of five? Well, I, 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 I think in large part, you're right. And when we're talking about name, image, and likeness, I think it's important for us all to realize there's a couple of different potential markets here, right? You're, the, the Trevor Lawrences of the world, the people that could command potentially seven-figure endorsement deals from national brands, your Gatorades, your, your shoe deals, those really are pretty few and far between. 
because you need somebody that's not only personally marketable and plays a, a flagship position and you know meets like the, the, you know ticks the certain Madison Avenue boxes. Um, it's, I think it's unlikely that Boise and, and for that matter anybody in the Mountain West will have very many of those athletes. The biggest single group that I think is going to benefit from this change are going to be women, not necessarily football or, or men's basketball players. And the biggest reason for this, your most common name, image, and likeness deal is going to have almost nothing to do with your home market. It's going to be about your ability to monetize your social media because there is an enormous capacity for an athlete to serve as an influencer. So no matter where you play and no matter how good you are at sports, if you have a five-figure Instagram or Twitter account, right. I can guarantee you somebody will pay to have access to that account and to share brands. And so if you are a women's basketball player at Boise State, even if you're the backup center that plays eight minutes a game, if you're good at Instagram and you, and you want to be a beauty influencer, a fashion influencer, or a lifestyle blogger, you can make a lot of money doing that. So that I think is, is the largest group and you can do that in Wyoming and you can do that at, at Rutgers and you can do that at Simon Fraser in Canada. The, 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 third, the third thing, going back to what you're talking about before, I, I really do think it's true for your local restaurants, your local car dealerships, your local sporting good uh, you know, places, that it is better to be a big fish in a small pond than it is to be a, 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 a small fish in a, in a really big area. If you're in a place like Houston, gigantic mm -hmm. metropolitan area, sure. lots and lots of, of potential brands. But mm -hmm. you know, I spent a lot of time in Houston and I, I know that market decently well. And the Cougars are a great athletic department and they're maybe the eighth most popular brand right. in, in, in that region. And that right. might include the Mexican national soccer team, uh, you know, in, in there as well to That's say nothing point. of the professionals. At, at the, the example I like to think of is ECU, which is very similar to Boise and very similar to Wyoming in that you are overwhelmingly the biggest fish. And there might only be 75,000 people in that metropolitan area, but this is the biggest employer. It's the biggest cultural institution. There's pirate flags everywhere. And if the school takes this seriously, I think you can have a compelling argument. One of the things that's fascinating to me about Boise specifically, though, mm -hmm. is that nationally, almost every state in this country has at least proposed a state level name, image, and likeness bill. And a big part of that is because lawmakers don't want to be to blame for state right. U being at a recruiting disadvantage. No. There's only four states, the, I mean, there's, uh, that, uh, to my knowledge right now, that have an FBS institution that have not at least sponsored this. Mm -hmm. Indiana is one, and we can expect that because the NCAA is right there and they're lobbying against it. Utah is one. And I, I think we can infer if Mitt Romney or the LDS church is telling people not to do it, then, and, and listen, like I'm wearing a BYU shirt. Like these are my people. Right. Like I, I think if, if, if Salt Lake is saying chill on this, that would have an enormous influence in the state house. Ohio is one, which makes no sense. And Idaho is the other. So if it may, if I'm, if I'm Boise, if I'm in the athletic administration, I'm calling up some lawmakers and saying, listen, I know that you got a bunch of other things to worry about right now. But we should aggressively focus on this because if the feds don't take care of it and Mark Emmert doesn't take care of it, we are going to be at a disadvantage right now. And we want to be able to go to athletes this summer and say, if you come to Boise this summer, you'll be able to take advantage of this. Because right now they can't. And their clock's out. I mean, it's almost on zero. So yeah. they were distracted with many other issues at that uh, with the very volatile session they had this year. So I think yes. you're dead on. If We've talked about it here on the Kingdom of Pod. Same situation and i think hawaii was also in there unless they've recently flipped they were distracted with covid 
they started something. I don't know if it's going to actually get passed. There's there's, okay. there's several states where someone's proposed a bill and it hasn't moved through. Gotcha. It, where you've seen the, the most movement speed-wise has been in the Southeast, um, especially right. since Florida went first. They said, we're, we're starting in, in, in July. Everybody else in the SEC said, by God, we, gotta, we, we can't be at a disadvantage. So I think it's just Missouri and Kentucky that have it at this point. Extra Points with Matt Brown. You can find him online at extrapointsmb.com. Covers all the off-the-field stuff in college sports like these issues. I came up with a new slogan from D3 to Tennessee. <laughs> Get free subscriptions and a podcast, which I listen to occasionally with Brian Fisher from Athlon Sports, where you've covered a lot of these issues. Uh, freebies, and then you can get more about the subscriptions. Back to the CFP, yeah. which has just been floated because I know college uh, writers need something to work on, Matt, and we're all in that boat on some level. <laughs> yes, but this, this, this has some meat. A very a work- May story. There's a working group, right? There's yeah. there, What are they working on? Craig Thompson's involved, but do you see, if we go to eight, a college football playoff, uh, that the group of five's in line for an automatic bid, and if so, why would the Power Five do that? Well, I, honestly, I think I'd be a little bit surprised if there's an expansion and they don't, there isn't some kind of mechanism for a group of five bid to be included in that. And, and the, there's two reasons. One is you want to head off an antitrust challenge. And this was something that actually the, the BCS you know, had to at least be a little bit aware of because if you're a lawmaker in Idaho or Utah or Florida and your main institution gets locked out, one way to win some political points back home is to rally your sabers about suing. This is what Orrin Hatch used to do at Utah. Exactly. When, when the, and when did the well. Utes, yeah. And, and the Utes were locked out and eventually people started to listen. There's also this, this idea here that even though the Power Five conferences have a lot of legislative autonomy within the NCAA, they don't have a majority on a lot of other issues. Um, and if, they, if there's an interest in keeping this entire band together, which there may not necessarily be because there's very, very different kind of schools in Division One. If you want to have any modicum of unity, you need to be able to throw some kind of bone to, to these other institutions. And quite frankly, if I'm ESPN, I would encourage that too because Boise in the national championship game might not necessarily be a ratings bonanza, but a Boise or a, a Cincinnati or BYU or a Houston in opening game creates a compelling underdog story that right now doesn't exist in this, in this 14 format. And you can sell that. It's something that I think everybody would benefit from. Do you think that if they do end up adding the, the group of five uh, as a mandatory seat at the table and an expanded CFP, There'll be performance clauses like we had with the BCS and the the committee will stay together. And if you're in the top eight, because Carl Benson, uh, the former commissioner, said ESPN would probably pay less for something other than the top eight teams in the country, period. And if they start getting involved with this other stuff, uh, that's where these committees, I think, are buffers. So what's your take there? I, I would be a little bit surprised. If there was some kind of like back end legislation that would that would you know you have an auto bid unless nobody's in the top sixteen because the more right. the more exceptions you have the 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 easier it's going to be for the committee which is dominated by voices right now that are most familiar with power five institutions to find an excuse to leave one of those teams out and we we found here I think with other national postseason tournaments and other sports that. You don't get the quote unquote top 16 or top 64 teams for basketball or baseball because you have some of these automatic bids. But that 
provides a compelling television and narrative and media and also, you know, holistic unified events. You know, college basketball is improved by the fact that we have somebody from the America East uh, instead of the 11th place team in the ACC, even if, you know, Wake Forest is like technically better than UMBC or Maine that year. And for football, it's different because you can't play that many games and there might even be like a health and safety situation. But sure. it's hard to argue that Coastal or Cincinnati or you know whoever the, the best team is that year isn't more talented or, 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 or deserving of, of being in a conversation of, of eight. We've already had plenty of bowl games that have proven that, 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 that if they don't win, they've always been competitive. The, we haven't had a G5 team get blown out in a BCS caliber game since like the sugar bowl with Georgia right. and Hawaii, like right. 11 years ago. Uh, so that they would surprise me if there was a mechanism to keep those out. Now uh, it'd be interesting to see how this shakes out. And one guy that's really most interested is Mike Oresco from the AAC. Sure. Who I thought at one time had a strategy that said, let's break up the mountain West with a couple of the top teams expand into the AAC and I want to get back to these Power Five guys saying we need the mandatory spot as the P6, and we'll represent the G5. Forget the rest of them. You could. I'll even cut you a deal. Maybe we'll take less money. What, what's your take on where he's at now? The, the thing about Commissioner Thompson that I appreciate much, even if this isn't actually best for him, he is not afraid to think outside the box. You mean Oresco? He's not afraid. Oh, 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 honestly, both of them, both Oresco and, and Thompson, they're not okay. afraid to think outside the box. And both of them are not afraid to talk to the press about what they're thinking outside the box, uh, even if that ends up maybe hurting both of them, right? They're, they're, they're both happy to talk to people. Um, I don't know if either of those leagues have a ton of leverage to demand one thing or another versus separating from the, the rest of the group of five. Like I understand that Oresco has to kind of beat the pulpit here about we're a P6 and we deserve parity. And um, there's just nothing about that. That's true. Uh, the, the financially, that's it's not true. Resource wise, fan support, it's not true. Um, I know that it was very important to him and some top people in the American to make sure that their television deal had a billion in it. Because to, to help that perception, even if I think that that TV deal is going to really hurt that league towards the latter end of, of this decade, I think they, they really sold low on, on what on what they have to offer. So listen, if they, if they want to talk, if they want to talk to Boise, they should. That that makes their their products better. If they want to, they wheel and deal, and, and there's no harm in, in shooting a shot and asking. But I don't know if they're in a position to really demand anything special for their particular league. Not just because they don't they don't deserve them, they just don't have the leverage. The, the system's tilted against them. Yeah, and I don't see Boise doing that right now for many different reasons. So I think, I think his case is going to be very difficult to, to get done. But I, like you, really admire him for leading the way. Let, let's pivot here to the NFL draft, which was concluded, and talk about interest of football in the West, something that is concerning the Pac-12 and the CFP. But looking at the Mountain West, Matt, they had three guys taken overall. Whether or not two of them came from Boise or not is not the point here. But the Pac-12 lagging way behind the SEC, like everybody, and even the Big Ten, and even the ACC, and this drain of defensive linemen, and they say maybe even offensive linemen, away from the West and to those other conferences. And maybe it's starting to show up at the Group of Five with the Mountain West Conference and how this may play out interest-wise for fans who aren't seeing as high a quality a product 
as maybe they can because the attendance is dwindling for a lot of reasons. Oh, yeah. All over the country. I, I don't know if you see this drain on talent in the West the same way. Well, I, I, for one, I would caution any Mountain West fan to not freak too about too much about the NFL draft this year, in, in large part because so many draft-eligible players across the G5 decided to come back to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and players that I think in, in another year probably would have been drafted just decided to come back. It's, it's not like the Mountain West had a really meaningful and fulfilling regular season last year. Right. I would expect that performance to improve by a lot. Uh, for for the, the the 2022 NFL draft. Now, ab- about waning interest, I think here it's helpful to, to 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 maybe not think about the West as a monolithic unit, right? Because there are some parts of the West that are growing significantly. Um, the Las Vegas area, the Reno area, the Boise, Boise area, as I understand it, sure has blown up several markets within Utah. And then you have places like Seattle and San Francisco and certainly Los Angeles, where a lot of where people are, are, are leaving, particularly those who can't afford to pay $900,000 for a house. And this matters. You know, this isn't just like idle census talk here. This matters a lot from a football perspective, because it's these families of five or six people that would go through a youth football system and suddenly can't afford to stay in Los Angeles. Well, if they end up moving somewhere out of the Pac-12 footprint, are they as likely to send their kids to a Pac-12 school? if they're living in Texas now, or, or even potentially Arizona, generally not. We're seeing high school participation rates decrease right. more significantly, not universally across the West, they're actually going up in Utah, but they're going down in some of these places where it's really hard <laughs> to afford to send your kids to school. Mm-hmm. So if I was an administrator at Cal, I would be much more worried than if I was somebody at, in Salt Lake or, or potentially Tempe, because those demographic distribution changes are, are going to impact different cities a little bit differently. If I was worried about attendance, I think a much bigger concern is, is about kickoff times and television and the quality of game rather than how many high three-star kids are getting into these programs. Um, it is tough to have a eight o'clock mountain kickoff time in Wyoming in October because one, the weather's going to suck yeah. <laughs> and you have people that have to travel four or five hours uh, across the state to get to that game and they can kind of get away with it if it's an earlier kickoff and it's much harder to do if, if it's at night I and mean, then what ends up happening is people don't go and i know that's less of an issue for, for boise state but across the mountain west and even in the pac-12 sure that's that's a problem and so you know if you're if, with this new tv deal at the mountain west is signed and, and maybe if boise ends up leaving if they if they change that again at some point you have to think is it worth is it is it worth me taking a six hundred thousand dollar haircut on this television deal to have more control over when I have these games, because that's a, a logistically a, a bigger factor out West. than I think it is for most Midwestern or Southern schools where people are generally not traveling quite as far and a potentially worse weather to get to a game. All right, Matt, if they liked what you were talking about here, they'll probably like extra points MB.com. I know you've made some changes there, but you do cover a, a lot of schools and uh, conferences that are, perhaps not getting as much attention. So give them the pitch and and what's happening. I'd I'd be happy to. So the whole point of this newsletter is to dig really deep into all these other things that I think really shape what you actually see on Saturday and what you see in your college basketball games. It's very much a question of how your athletic department gets money, how they spend that money, how they fit in with the rest of their school and how your conference uh, handles the challenges in this industry. And Lord knows there's enough people writing about Alabama and Ohio state. So this newsletter while it talks about those schools, it's also really going to focus on what's happening at the Big West and the WAC and the Mountain West and the ASUN 
and Division Three for the, for that matter. Right. Um, you can subscribe for free at extrapointsmb.com, and you'll get two newsletters and a podcast uh, in your in your inbox every week. And you can subscribe uh, as a paid subscriber and get four, which includes original reporting. Uh, and uh, uh, original analysis and commentary about what's happening. I know like my paid subscribers earlier this week, uh, they got a story that that broke down how much schools actually make from participating in EA Sports College football and um, how EA determines how they're going to pay those schools and why San Diego State is really upset by uh, what the, what that formula looks like. And that, that I think would be similar for other schools here in the West. You can find that at extrapointsmb.com. Thanks once again to Matt Brown of Extra Points for uh, joining me here and giving us perspective on the uh, group of five in Boise State. Uh, there was also another couple of pieces in The Athletic, if you subscribe to it, that were interesting. And, and if you didn't, I'll just tell you that from my perspective, the one piece Vanini wrote from The Athletic about Boise State and the Fresno State game 20 years ago as a you know seminal moment in, in Boise State history and really Defining some things for the school, I think, is is accurate. It's it's interesting that while uh, that game brought Boise State to some people's uh, consciousness, you know, it was really a national relevance moment. I think for upstarts for Boise State to get into the business of being a Group of Five upstart, uh, they were not in in the Power Five. They they were recognized as such. It was the a game against a non Power Five opponent who was highly rated but was not a Power 5 team in Fresno State. They'd had some pretty damn good teams, though. So for the, I guess, level that Boise State had been competing at and for where they were at, that was a big win in their step forward. And it was all at this time period that my memory and working closely with Dan Hawkins at that time where he would talk about, you know, why Nebraska? Why Lincoln, Nebraska? Why not Boise, Idaho? And if you remember, that was Hawk really opening all of our eyes that there was a lot more that could be done in Boise, Idaho than maybe any of us imagined. And I was one of them. I, I thought to myself, well, I can think of a lot of reasons why, Hawk, <laughs> uh, why we're not Nebraska. And I don't think Boise State has yet to become really uh, Nebraska in that sense. And I've always felt that, unfortunately, Boise's not a state. And for those of us who've enjoyed the Treasure Valley and, and Boise, there's a lot of things about it that I think are very common and, and uh, likable. And then there's some things outside of the city of Boise or the county of Ada or even Canyon where it gets pretty different to me uh, politically and, and for a lot of other reasons. So if you look at it that way, uh, Boise, Boise, Idaho and Boise State, is no Nebraska. They're not a Wisconsin, a Colorado, an Arkansas, Missouri, Minnesota. They're not a state that has just one Power Five school to rally around. And so when you come from a state like Idaho, it's much more similar to me than to, to Montana in that even the attention that's been heaped on the program has been, look at how amazing it's been, all the things they've accomplished as a group of five lower-resourced schools. It's not the same as what they've accomplished through the decades at Arkansas or Missouri or Wisconsin or, yes, Nebraska. So the, while there were some similarities, I think there are massive differences. The wealth of the state, uh, the focus of the state has a long way to go. I always hoped that it would be better, 
But I still admire Dan Hawkins for having the courage to point all that out and open our eyes. And that big game that was won on the road uh, was won on a sack by Greg Sasser. And uh, he'll go down in history for me and a lot of other folks. It was an event to watch that game because it was an ESPN televised game so we could all huddle around our TV sets and get excited about a national commentator talking about Boise, Idaho. Bruce Feldman got into the Coach Pete, I guess, post-script as Pete's settled into this idea that he is not immediately going back into coaching anytime soon, and he's still reflecting on the reasons why he separated himself from the profession and as you, if you can get access to that account, I, I don't uh, to that article. I don't think there's that much new news there. I've been really fortunate in having the opportunity to talk to Coach Pete off the record or as as man to man or however you want to put it. And uh, he's always had a thirst, a quench uh, that's never happened for what the meaning is of life and how can you be happy and not accepting. Uh, the things in between all that. And if there's one thing that I took away from that Feldman piece, which frankly was rambling, and I think Bruce admitted it, that there there was so much to cover. It went off the rails so many times. He tried to reel it back in. Even some of the questions I felt probably were much different in the moment with Coach Peterson. It were hard to summarize. Uh, I think in writing, you probably would be better at listening to that conversation. But you know, Pete talked about maybe one of his biggest mistakes, and that is he never took his own advice of only worrying about what you can control. And so much of coaching is things out of your control. And I wonder now how he feels about two of my pet peeves about where we've allowed college football to go. Uh, number one, the coach is constantly talking about wanting kids to play with a chip on their shoulder. I think it's one thing to play with it, but I don't want to develop a personality that is bitter, that is envious, that is comparing themselves, who allows other people's opinion to control their own attitude or opinion or emotions or feeling about themselves. That is not healthy. And when when Trevor Lawrence came out and basically said, I I'm not going to live like that, uh, there was some criticism, and I thought it was just essentially for their own gain because at surface level, it's easy to criticize him for that without thinking it uh, further that, you know, we only contrast tragedy with there's things more important than football when a player's dad dies or his mother gets sick or his brother is in a, a critical accident or something. That's when we get into those conversations. When a player proactively gets into that conversation and says, look, I love the sport of football, but there's other things in life. We don't want to hear it. And I think Coach Pete uh, would be uh, one of those guys that, that would be saying, look, there is more to life, and now he's walking that walk. The other thing about coaches and the way this business has gone that I, I don't think I'm not comfortable with at all is this whole idea that those coaches are there to be your dad, and, and those coaches are there to essentially give you the meaning of life. I mean, that is a tall order for a person in your life that by definition has had his hours limited by the NCAA and who's being compensated based on your ability to perform. And as much as I would love 
my economics professors or communication professors, you know, to have been compensated that way when I was going to school and when a lot of people are now, they're not. Some of your best professors are not compensated based on your ability to go out in that next week and perform at a high level by giving a speech somewhere, for example. But football coaches are. They're going to be compensated based on your ability to perform while you're still in school that very next week. So they're highly different situations. Coaches for recruiting purposes, parents for desperate reasons, I don't know, players for convenience perhaps have bought into that idea that these coaches are basically life coaches and they don't have time. They can't be life coaches to a hundred different people. And it's just not what their purpose is. I think it's admirable that they get into that. Uh, the coaches through the years, the Paternos, the Bowdens, all the guys that have been held up as uh, great molders of men and all of that. That's awesome. If you got that away from that experience, that's super. If the coach took the time to give that to you, that's even better. But to me, you don't have to live and die with that as a coach. Be a football coach. And if the kids need all kinds of help off the field, give them as much as you can. But leading with your chin that way, their parents are responsible. They're responsible. There's other people in their lives that can come around, and I just think it's somewhat dangerous. And I think all of that sort of wore uh, Coach Pete out. One other thing I want to mention uh, that was interesting, Jeremiah Dickey, the new Boise State athletic director, I think was just ad-libbing a little bit. Uh, he was out there on Twitter answering a question to one person that tweeted him, and the question was about, hey, you know, by the way, uh, you know, great idea on these chair seat backs, you know, that have mesh behind them, and that's, that's awesome, right? You're going to get a better chair seat back, and they're putting out any release they can right now to make sure you're still thinking about Boise State football games. And in the process of this give and take, there was a question about beer. Hey, we're going to have beer out there. And he said, oh, yeah, we'll have beer. That was it. And, and, and there was a four or five people that sort of followed up on that, but nobody walked away from it. Oh, my God, there's going to be beer. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't see any of those kinds of comments. And uh, at the end of the day, Boise State had to put out a release that said there'll be more information about this down the road. And they had to, of course, probably cover their tracks before the state boards alerted. And, ah. So tired of that. I hope all of you are. And if you can go into Albertsons and get a six-pack <laughs> and nobody's stopping you from even opening it up in the car in the parking lot and drinking it while you drive away, there are laws that will catch you when it's too late, but you can still get that done. We've got to grow up and let it go. I hope that it's just not a big deal. It's not oversold. Yeah, we're selling beer. Big deal. Been selling beer in the uh, Stickle Sky Center since it opened. So <laughs> let's move on. We're already behind. They need every dollar that they can raise. And if this is a way to do it, that's great. Thanks for listening. Appreciate Matt Brown's time on this edition of the Believe Network and Boise State's podcast. It's called the Kingdom of Pod. If you want to rate it you can review it you can pass it along i appreciate you doing that i'll talk to you next week for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus 
You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.